This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. If you're the Bulls, this can go one of two ways for you. One, you could make trades in the next 25 minutes. Nah. That will allow you to be the lead story on the Friday before the Super Bowl in Chicago. Or two, you can not make a trade, which will make you the lead story in Chicago the Friday before the Super Bowl. The Bulls deadline netted nothing. It was pretty much a buyer's market. We wanted to be competitive. It's a telling thing how I feel about this team. Woof. (laughs) I want to leave town. I host a podcast about this team. Your choice. What are we doing? What happened to me? I'm a good guy. I went to a good college. I worked hard. I wrote a thesis in college. I wrote a thesis. I've worked hard for years. I've raised a family. All of these executives, we give them more credit than they deserve when it comes to what it is that they supposedly know and how they're going to act upon it. And this deadline is another damn example of that. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Careful, stay hydrated. Check on your loved ones as we broadcast live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. It is the Friday before the Super Bowl here on the Bernstein and Holmes Show on Sports Radio 670. Hope you survived the hailstorm in Chicago last night. Barely. Or the, the tornado in Wisconsin. Some of the incredible like photography Man. that took place yesterday. People taking pictures of the storm. It was really, really outstanding to to sit there. Like I was sitting there watching the Bulls game or getting ready to watch the Bulls game in, in the living room and just looking outside and being like, oh, my. Mm-hmm. And the lakefront south yesterday, oh, my God. There was a light show that was going on. And you got your bike ride in this morning? Yeah, I wanted to get outside and just get a little bit of sunshine. Like this is my first day this week that I'm not doing a double. I was like, so I'm going to go enjoy some sunshine. So I went out to 63rd Street Beach and kind of looked back north. Beautiful. Like, just got up sunrise, like, all that good stuff on the lakefront. Gorgeous day. Get outside. Go touch grass. Don't think about the bulls. Well, at least not until after 11 o'clock. Man, I, it, it's, it's really amazing to me. He, he said we're really good. They're not. No. They're not. They're also not really competitive either. This is from our buddy Rick Camp. The Bulls against top 10 net rating teams this year. What are they, like 4 and 10? 4 and 11. 4 and 11. They're negative 10.5 net rating, which is 23rd, 24th in offense, 17th in defense. That means you're not good. And he gets a it lot of. That means you're not competitive. I know Rick gets a lot of his stuff from a great site called Clean the Glass which takes out a lot of garbage time. It also it, it makes sure you're measured against who your opponent actually is based on the lineup they roll out there mm-hmm. and not the name of the team and not the record of the team and like it, it, that will who you actually play. Exactly. That will account for stars sitting. Like last night the Bulls barely hung on to beat a G League team. 
I'm not going to be mad at them for winning games. Like, you win games. Like Sometimes it's going to be ugly, and yes, that team was Ooh. definitely a, a G League team. Like Get you, past Santi Aldama. You, you could tell by how many empty seats there were in Memphis. Just people just like, yeah, I'll wait. I'll wait until Ja is healthy. They're well coached, though. They, they are. They are very well coached. They, you want to talk about competitive? They were competitive yeah. last night. It's it's just too bad that yesterday, and, and maybe Arturis is right that it was a buyer's market. It didn't seem that way from the deals that went through. It seemed like that you could had the Bulls made themselves open to making some trades that there would have been stuff coming back that would have allowed for them to restart this thing. But they don't want to. They don't want to restart it. As a matter of fact, why don't we listen to Arturis explain in his opening statement what the Bulls think they are and why they made the choices that they made. I just think that there's so many uh, positive stories around this team. And the biggest thing for me is like if, you know, you look at every option, it's out there to improve your team and uh, we didn't see anything that was going to make us better. Um, uh, we would take a step back, which we don't want. Uh, we want to stay competitive. Uh, we have obligation to this organization and this fan base and the city to stay competitive and compete for playoffs. And uh, that's what we're doing. I'm open to questions now. Arturis, I know you're you're talking about the competitive thing and and you like what you've seen, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, this is a what have you done for me lately business, and you can be competitive for a quarter, or two or three quarters, but your record is your record, and this group has shown an inability to be in that upper echelon of teams in the East, so it seems like you're chasing something that really isn't there. Can you explain that in a little more detail of what you're seeing that the standings aren't? Well, the standings are that everybody's bunched up. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm looking at the same standings, right? You're three, three wins away from a sixth place. So it's, you know, you still have 30 games to go. Um, as a competitor, you, you, you know, obviously this group is playing better uh, last two months and Again, I put faith in this group uh, to make a push for playoffs. You mentioned that you didn't see anything that you liked on the market. Um, what were you primarily looking for? Was it players? Was it picks? Kind of what what was that um, that search like for you guys in the last few days? I think, you know, you always look to improve your team. Um, and those scenarios were not coming up. Um, and, you know, we spent obviously a couple of days over, you know, uh, with our group and uh, we decided to, uh, you know, you know, to stay with this group because that gives us uh, best chance to compete, compete this year. And, you know, going into into the summer, we could, you know, we obviously this year we control our pick. Um, you know, we have, you know. Uh, a lot of our young guys that uh, took a step forward. So we're excited about that. And the combination, I think, with our vets that we have right now, I think it's, uh, it's a pretty good formula. Uh, injuries are part of our game, and it's, it's, it's not an excuse. But 
if we look around the league, uh, the teams that are uh, successful right now are the ones that are staying healthy. And we have numerous injuries right now on our roster, and uh, we miss those players. We're much better with them. Basketball Reference does a playoff probability report. And this is based on what you've done so far. It is also based on projections of your opponents that remain. They do 10,000 simulations of the remainder of the season, including the play-in. When he says they're three games out of the sixth seed, no, they're not. They're just, that's, that's just not true. I think they're four wins back and maybe three losses back. So three and a half. Do you know what the Bulls' probability is of being the sixth seed based on these calculations? What do you think? That, what do you think their actual chance, their percentage chance is of being the of six being seed. the six seed? Nine percent, point three percent. That's not point three percent. Five point three percent chance of being the seven, and a nineteen point four percent chance of being eighth. You're talking. You're giving me the six seed based on a point three probability right now. The other thing that bothered, well, there's a lot in there that bothers me about what Artur said. Here's the thing. You can't have it both ways. You can't tell me that it's a buyer's market and then not buy. If, if, if what you're talking about is being competitive and being competitive for a championship. And you, and you like everything that's going and on. And you like what's happening with your team. And you're telling me that it's a buyer's market right now. Then why didn't you buy? Why, why didn't you try to bolster the team with trades that were made? I, I, would have, I would have been a fan of that more than them standing still, knowing what we know about the roster that they have. The other thing is, and he said it at the top, and I'm not ordinarily this guy. I'm a little bit more into, into the like soft analysis. I think the relationships matter in a lot of ways. I think this front office is too close to the individuals that play on this team. And you heard it inside. There are a lot of great stories on this team. There are. That's our job to determine. Correct. We, we'll talk about the stories. We'll have fun with all that. That's our job. There are a lot of great stories on this Bulls team. That doesn't mean that the team is good. Everyone loves DeMar. Everyone loves Andre Drummond. Everyone loves Kobe White. These are great stories on your team. For sure. Everyone loves Alex Caruso. But for some reason, that collection of players and their great stories is not enough to be competitive. And if you're living in the space where if we went to every team, there's a we could make an argument that they're a team filled with great stories. Every single one of them. You're not unique in the fact that you have a team filled with great stories. This this just feels like a front office that can't that isn't doing a good enough job of divorcing itself from what the stories are on this team to try and make the team better. Yeah, let us figure out the stories while you're working on winning trophies. Otherwise we've we've the tails wagging the dog here. It's very frustrating. And I know that it's frustrating for Bulls fans, and it, it, it is an incredible 
experience to go to a Bulls game. It's a lot of fun. It's always been a lot of fun. But the winning, that's the part. That's that's what you want. Last year, we wanted to raise a banner for tough out. Remember? Mm-hmm. He said the goal was to be a tough out. This year, I guess we're going to raise a banner for competitive. What What bothers me is when you say he can't have it both ways in one regard, you also can't say we owe – don't hide behind the fans. Don't say we owe it to the fans to be competitive. When you're not servicing them by ask trying us. to win. Ask us. We're right here. Ask ask me. I'm a pretty good example of a of a whatever you want to call me. I've been a I've been a, a beat reporter. I've, I grew up a, as big a Bulls fan as there possibly can be, and I've remained one. I've I've raised a Bulls fan. Whether or not that's good or bad parenting, you'll have to terrible. You'll have to ask him. Although we did have fun. Yeah, it was not sad. I, I know, but but had, he didn't he didn't get to see. The Jordan I know. era. I know. And, and if you're a if you're a Bulls fan that didn't live in the Jordan era, it's it's just it just feels awful. So but just if you say we owe it to the fans to be competitive, I'm right here and no you don't. I'm right here. No. You owe it to us to to try to get great. Mm-hmm. And if you end up being competitive on the way to great, all the better. And 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 you know, and people will acknowledge that. If, if you're trying to win and you fall short, people will acknowledge, hey, look, this is a scrappy team. This is a hungry team. They're not far away. But, but to kind of assign it to, well, this is going to be our personality as a team. We're going to be a tough out and we're going to be competitive and all of this stuff. But you're, when the thing that struck me, and I thought that Joe did a great job of kind of giving a soliloquy before he, he asked the question, that was on everyone's mind. If Arturis's answer to that is the sixth seed, what are we doing? Who are you gonna beat? If but 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 Dan, if that's what I'm saying is if that's the level at which you're talking about lovingly, oh well, we're we're three wins away from the sixth seed. So exactly half the, the league makes the playoffs. So right now, the sixth seed would be playing the Bucks, right? Congratulations. Good job. We've seen that. We know how that goes. That, Have fun that, with that that five-game series. That's their one playoff win that, I mean, that they've had. I mean, Doc's there, so you might win another one. Make it six games. Yeah, I might give you one. Well, let, there's more from Arturis Karnishevis that we should get into when the, he did receive some pointed questions about what the goals are and what his marching orders are and what what it is we're doing here. The Bulls beat yesterday did a great job of trying to pin down Arturis Karnaschovas. We'll let you hear some more of that coming up next here on The Score. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2. Your midday definition for Chicago Sports Talk on 670 The Score. In Odyssey Station. Gotta be nice, hostility, diddly, diddly, diddly. Oh, hell, diddly, ding, dong, crap. Can't you morons do anything right? It's a great question when it comes to the strategy of the Chicago Bulls and their roster and their goals, which were further articulated, not all that well yesterday, but they at least there were some questions put to them. I just wanted to point out on your 
theme of not having it both ways, both the White Sox and the Bulls have been owned by the the same family, right? We've grown up with a White Sox team. And this is back yearly. Kenny Williams would make a plea to fans. Come out. Support the team. We'd love to afford all these players. We would love to be able to do this. It just... It's hard with with our attendance. You know, we just we don't have the cash. We don't have the money. And it, it was wasn't true, but that was the pitch, right? You, Absolutely. You we can improve the product if you want to come out. And and Bulls fans, on the other hand, do every night. And it's almost like they get punished for it. So the same group that for years said, oh, we, we would love to be able to do this, but you got to come out. We, we, we just, and here they're doing it. And then that's instead motivation for them to be like, this is fine. The NBA as an entertainment product is better than Major League Baseball. No I question. say that as someone who loves baseball. No question. It, it's a nearly perfect night out. Although I did, you know, so me and my brother, we went to the Bulls game a couple weeks ago. And he sent me this thing of, like, what the Brooklyn Nets do. Like, if you want to, there's, like, a $20,000 seat ticket that you get to go and have dinner and all this stuff. And I said, we could do all of that at a White Sox game for $500 a piece. Like, we could get scout seat tickets and get the incredible food. And be inside if we want, maybe, or outside if we want. And maybe even less than that. Maybe, if you wanna, maybe you less. Do a, a Tuesday at the end of April. Yeah, but or, but yeah. but what I was saying is that like twenty thousand dollars to sit courtside at a Nets game and then watching the game on television versus us spending a G and, and doing the same thing and be outside. And he was like, "Bet." So I think I think we're gonna go to a game and just do that so that he can experience it. But what the, you're right about like the punishment that. Is is laid into the into the fans and let this be a warning because I saw someone got mad at us yesterday because we were pointing out that there are other things to consider other than ooh new ballpark pretty got really mad why can't you guys just enjoy anything because we're going to end up paying for it that's why and the White Sox aren't going to be better because of it I wish that that it worked that way but for the baseball team it's not going to they're going to get everything that they want from the city and from us, the taxpayers, and they're not going to pay it forward to you. That was the point that we were making. And in the case of Bulls fans, Bulls fans, as Dan points out, rally to the cause of, you know what's a nice night out? Going to a Bulls game. It's exciting to cheer for them and watch Kobe White splash in jumpers for a fourth quarter comeback. And then when we get to April, and the play-in or the playoffs is happening... And you're watching, and you're like, this team's not good. Well, the other problem is a lot of the same Bulls fans that love to go to games and cheer don't watch other NBA teams play. And they don't see what happens when really good teams play against really good teams. And what stars do when they are trying as hard as they can. And... It's not pretty when the, it gets turned on against you when it matters in the spring. 
Nope, not at all. So why don't we hear more from Arturis on this? Because it, it speaks to the idea of ownership. He was asked if he thinks that he's uh, living up to his boss's expectation. I think so. I, I mean, I think, I mean, since I came here to Chicago, I think I wanted to have competitive team, uh, which I think we came up with a formula in 2021. Uh, we have somewhat of a success. Um, uh, took a obviously step back with some injuries. Um, but my objective doesn't change. I would like to compete and I like I'd like to compete with the best teams. Uh, this particular team showed that they can compete with the best. And that's what I'm excited about, you know, going with 30 games to go. Um, any adjustments in the future that we have to make? Uh, again, I'm very positive about that as well. You know, like I said, you know, we control our pick this year and, you know, and and then going into the free agent agency, I think we we pretty positive. And just one quick follow up, Arturis. What are you selling to the fans at this point? I mean, you keep saying competitive, but what, what are you selling to the fans? I'm selling competitive group that is competing right now for playoffs. And and that's just evidence. And, you know, you were bringing up the standings. I mean, we're all bunched up in that area in the middle. So that's, you know, that's what I see with this team at this point. Any adjustments will be made in the future, but at, you know, this group is really good. Hey, Arturis, um, I'm curious, obviously you've said that, you know, taking a step back was not really on your radar at all, but if you decided that that was uh, an approach that you might want to take, would ownership be in support of that? Yes. Ownership is supporting me, whatever we decide and, um, you know, moving forward, whatever we, you know, we decide to do uh, with this team, but um, competitive team, um in in the eastern conference is what we trying to accomplish and uh you're a team in the nba that's you're you're an nba team you're the ninth seed this group is really good you're the ninth seed in the east you're ninth in the east that's that's just not really good in my mind okay if we give our tourists that they are bunched up and the teams are bunched up they're not, but let's yeah that that does a lot of work. Let's let's give them that. What what do you think your team can do to get out of the bunch? And where's the evidence to support your theory on that? Is your evidence back in in twenty twenty one? Is that your evidence? Because your team has changed since then. The league has the changed league since. has changed since then. I I'm not. I, I don't like that he continues to have a really low bar. Like, to go back to the where we're talking about the, the two Reinsdorf-owned teams, I think history is, is a little kinder now to Kenny Williams' approach because the approach was, I want to win now. Now, I wasn't always the smartest approach because there were clearly indicators of you don't have what you need to win now you have to tear down and try to build back up but the dynamics in baseball are different they are especially back then if you did scratch into the playoffs you could win the world series but here's the thing whether it was kenny or rick 
I hear those guys talking about championships. I hear this guy talking about a, being competitive and being in the playoffs, which if we're looking for a playoff, besides what happened with Miami last year, a playoff where it's pretty much determined by how the rosters are constructed, who is and who isn't really a, a, a championship-level team. No one thinks the Bulls are a championship-level team. You're, you're living in a fantasy land. If you think that being competitive and being a playoff team is where it's at. I don't, I don't like that I don't hear our tourists talking about we want to be competitive to win a championship. It's almost as like it's almost like he thinks that getting in is it, and they didn't do that last year. Well, see, they that, didn't get in that's last when, year. That starts with ownership. That that's that's when ownership has to tell him his marching orders have to be. It's not passive. Ownership can't just be like, well, whatever you want to do. Ownership has to say, look, win a title. Tell me what do you need from me? What do you need from me to go have a parade? And, and I swear that you and I had this conversation last year, and it was a little tongue-in-cheek. And now I'm more convinced that it wasn't tongue-in-cheek. Arturis thinks the play-in is the playoffs, and it's not. Cody Westerland was one of the reporters asking questions at that press conference yesterday. He's going to join us next on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Station, 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 Station. We didn't see anything that can improve our team. Just a real quick follow-up. What's wrong with taking a small step back if it makes you better at the start of next season's tip-off? Again, it's a subjective way of looking at things. It just depends on what was on the table, right? So at this juncture, um, Always going to look at how to improve the team for now that makes us more competitive and for the future. And we didn't have those options available. It's a good follow-up by our next guest, Cody Westerling. I was sitting in my car saying, it's okay to take a step back. What's wrong with that? What are we doing here? Ah. Cody Westerland is on Twitter at Cody Westerland, editor and Bulls writer for 670thescore.com. Joins us now on the Circa Sports Illinois hotline. Download the Circa Sports app today, twitch.tv slash Chicago670thescore. Cody, how are you? How are you guys doing today? That was, uh, even by Bulls standards, that was kind of a doozy yesterday um, for AK's press conference, I think. What do you think made it a doozy? Well, just how hard he went into the competitive angle. You would have thought he was a motivational speaker, a boring one at that probably, if he'd given that to to any random group of, of people in society. And he's entrenched in that belief. And the question we'll all ask always, and do we believe it, is that because it's purely his motivations or is he doing what he thinks ownership also wants but I think we got to take him at his word. I think we need to take him by his words and actions from when he started here in Chicago and competing has meant a lot to him. So this is on AK, right? I don't think he's doing these things because he's been directed by ownership. This is the best course of action in his mind. And he just is not on the same planet as most observers across the NBA and here in Chicago, most importantly, most Bulls fans 
because as you just said, Dan, there's nothing wrong with taking a small step back in your mind. Uh, certainly in my mind, I think in the mind of most fans here across the city. And for some reason, AK thinks the only way to be competitive is this group of 13 or 14 players. The only way to be competitive is to keep trotting Andre Drummond out there. There's no one else that could do what Alex Caruso is doing for the Bulls. And that probably, that point is probably true because Caruso is so good defensively and means so much to him. But he's treating all these guys like they're star players and they're role players. And there's nothing wrong with overhauling while you're in the middle, overhauling parts of your roster, the fringe, the outside of your rotation, a key player here. I don't think anyone here is saying that you always have to be competing for a championship or always be rebuilding. They just know that when you're 500 and you remain on that trajectory and keep the same roster together, there is no higher ceiling. So they want to see change of some sort. And I think it's fair to expect that. And the Bulls fans didn't get that yesterday. I agree with you that there isn't some grand conspiracy theory where ownership is, you know, the twirling mustache and saying, oh, don't try, just just keep Keep it here. the building full. Yeah, I, I don't think that's happening. However... I do think there's an absence of direction. I do think yep. it's fair to ask why ownership wouldn't say, hey, AK, how are we doing on that championship thing? How's yep. that coming? Because that's what makes the difference in this league. That's where, it, th- that's where it gets started, and it's, it doesn't seem to be starting there. Yeah, and it's interesting, right? Like Michael Reinsdorf's obviously grown up around basketball, but he's a business expert, right? So – I'm just imagining here what his state of mind would be, and that would be to stay out of basketball operations completely unless there's a question about big money, which we always know has been run by Jerry in the past. Jerry, obviously, much bigger hand, I think, in some Bulls front office hirings and and coaches hirings through the years. But when you're just talking the the 15-man roster here that every team has, I think that's probably Michael's perspective. But I think AK would have been... It would have been great if Michael said to AK, hey, you know, let's do something here. It's okay if we finish with 35 wins instead of 40 this year. It's okay if we finish with 34 wins instead of 39. I'm not going to care that much about it if it better positions us for next year. And I don't know that he did or didn't say that, but I'm guessing he didn't based on how AK was talking yesterday and the decisions he made. And to me, I go back to to some of the stuff AK said at the start. We've talked about the changing standards. When he was hired, it was the middle of COVID, and we were all watching The Last Dance, and he talked about the championship goals and how inspired he was by watching The Last Dance. But he also said he wants to return the Bulls to relevancy and then win a championship. So I think in his mind, like he has returned them to relevancy when they're in the playoff mix. So to him, he's somewhere along his spectrum He's just not seeing it the way others see it. And I don't think he understands the roadblock that will be coming. But this is a guy, too. I go back to raising COVID here. When the bleachers were empty, the stands were empty in that first year he was in Chicago. He would sit in the first three or four rows of the stands with maybe one front office staffer or someone with the Bulls. And I'm not saying he's ripping his shirt off and yelling at officials or anything like Mark Cuban, but he was kind of emotional watching games like he had reactions like it felt like to me, AK lived and died with some of these plays sometimes. And again, not any like embarrassing wild things, nothing that would make the rounds on social media, but he really does care, I think, about every game result 
in a way that maybe other general managers didn't. And here's a theory I have, not a theory, just something I was thinking about a little bit. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. It's kind of weird with the Bulls, right? Like AK cares so much about winning every game this season. And it feels like Billy Donovan's the guy who's always calm, cool, and collected with the big picture in mind. And usually in sports, it's the coach grinding for every advantage in every single game and the front office with the long-term health in the organization in mind. And here with the Bulls, it just kind of, to me, in some ways, that dynamic seems a little backward to me. I think that you're on to something. I also think that, and I said this to Dan earlier, I think this front office is too close to the players. I think that, I think that they don't have enough good distance away from what are really good stories. Like, Arturus isn't lying when he says this is a team filled with good stories. But I think that that it, trying to kind of live in the space of these great stories has made it more difficult for them to detach themselves from the players' stories to try and build the better team. I would agree with that, Lawrence. And I don't know why that is the case either, why he's so attached to everyone. I mean, optics could be a reason, simply just the emotional factor of it being his first big job and these being his first big acquisitions. Uh, AK came from Denver, where they largely built through the draft with their three main players. Obviously, the Nuggets traded for Aaron Gordon, and he's been a huge piece to their their championship team there last year. But I just don't understand why. And if I'd had if I'd had more freedom and we'd had an hour to talk to AK and there weren't 50 hands up, I thought the media did a good job yesterday. But you know, one of the follow-up questions I would have asked was like, why does the six seed mean so much to you? Why does the nine seed instead of the 10 seed mean so much to you? Why does the seven matter so much more than the 10? And other than these guys are competitors, I, I just can't quite grasp that answer in question. And I didn't ask it because I felt he'd already gone in a roundabout way and equivocated on some other questions that were similar. So I kind of punted that one, but that is what I just can't drill down on. And then again, it just gets back to completely difference of opinion on what the word competitive is from AK and most of the other people across the NBA, apparently. It also seems like an unlikely overachievement of one half of one season mm. is continuing to define too much of what they do and they're chasing a past that is not their future. Can he ever be removed from the, he, he, they had a plan and they doubled down and now they're tripling down and they're quadrupling down. And last year at this time, well, we got these last 28 games to determine what we are. Well, we know, and, and you saw it and now he's doing it again. We have 30 games. Well, what happened to the 28 game? Like we've, we had a whole season that's gone by and they're exactly what they are. They're the nine seed, slightly under 500. That's what they are. Why is, why is that still okay? They were 19 and 23 after Lonzo went down a couple of years ago. So yeah. like you said, that's an entire half season, slightly below 500. 40 and 42 last year, slightly below 500, slightly below now. It's like 500 is that grand achievement in his mind if the Bulls can ascend to that status and, and achieve it. And again, it gets back to a misunderstanding there. And I, even though they hold out some hope for, for Lonzo coming back when they talk publicly, I do not think they expect anything of him 
next year whatsoever. Like there's again, I think they're casting that to support Lonzo publicly more than they're saying, yeah, in a perfect world, he'd come back next year more so than we expect him to be a part of the roster when they do their internal maneuverings this off season. So there's obviously several options there with him, but the moves of yesterday were so important to me in this aspect by not trading DeMar and then saying you love him, you expect him to sign an extension with Chicago. He loves it here. That's the main person on your roster that keeps your style and core intact as it is. And it appears they're bringing DeMar back to do that. There's no interest in Vooch whatsoever uh, right now at the trade deadline. Don't expect much in the offseason. Doesn't mean they couldn't flip him in a deal if they included like Caruso or an asset of some sort or took a bad contract back from someone else. But right now you'd say it's looking like Vooch is back next year too. And at this point, they're going to keep Kobe. You'd expect him to keep Patrick Williams. They'll want to trade Zach, but that's going to be really hard this summer. And they didn't trade Caruso at his highest trade value, which indicates to me he'll be in the lineup on opening night next year or the first guy off the bench. And the same core and same thing is back because, again, doesn't mean they can't do these things this summer, but the value was higher yesterday for Andre Drummond, who's a free agent to be, for Alex Caruso, who is in the second to last season of his contract. The value is higher than by not doing it. It suggests we're going to see more of the same next year. Cody, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Great work in the press conference yesterday. Yep, I appreciate you guys. That's Cody Westerland. Next up, we're going to talk to our friend Andrea Kramer. She is at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas with a special edition of her show on CBS Sports Network. So we'll talk some NFL with her next on The Score.